What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We've got another full slate of games to look forward to, and luckily for us, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered with so many different ways to get in on the action. DraftKings Sportsbook is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know your funds are safe and secure. Plus, they have new odds boosts and promotions on your favorite sports each and every day. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from wherever, whenever. You don't even have to leave the house. And for those where sports betting is not yet available, head to DraftKings and check out their app along with all of their daily fantasy contests. If you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use code SI when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to 1000 bucks. That's code SI, the letters SI, to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome in, everybody, to the SI Fantasy and Gambling Podcast. I'm Ben Heisler, and we're joined today by somebody that's going to be on our TV sets a lot during the Summer Olympics. We're just five months or so away from the Tokyo Olympics, and it's never too early to start planning on how we want to wager on the Tokyo Olympics. The favorite for the Olympic 100, 200, and 400 meter is U.S. track and field star Noah Lyles. He's good enough to join us on the show today. Noah, it's good to talk to you, man. I appreciate you making time for us. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. And uh, I just like to say, I will not be running the 400. <laughs> I, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to get riled up and they're just going to be going off on Twitter. No one's running the 400. I'm not running the four. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so ju- just to make it clear, we, we got you for, for the 100 and the 200 then? Most definitely. Okay. All right. All right. Sigh of relief then. Um, you know, I, I love hearing about, you know, journeys and stories for to how you got where you are right now. And so I want to start a little meta with you if I can. Uh, when when did you know in your life, Noah, that you were just faster than everybody else around you? Like, was there a memory like on the playground where you never it playing tag? Did you have that moment of sort of introspection of like, I'm, I'm faster than everybody here? Yeah, uh, both my parents were runners. So naturally everybody who we were kind of around that knew us when we were kids. We were just like, oh, you're going to be fast, you know, all this stuff. And you're always telling me and my brother and my sister, you know, you guys are going to be fast because your parents are fast. So, you know, you make fast babies. <laughs> and uh, it actually turned out to be true. <laughs> you know, you make fast kids when you have fast genes. So automatically, when we were young, you know, you were just, you were just always the fastest. You know, it was hard to find somebody who was faster than us unless we met somebody who was like maybe three to four years older than us. So like in elementary school, I remember 
we'd have this time where before recess, they would make you run a lap around the track. And my teacher would literally like have to hold me back and be like, you're not allowed to run until the last person leaves. So the whole class would go and then I would run after everybody and I catch everybody before they even make it to like the 200 meter mark. And then I, you know, finish my lap and then I go have recess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like if you would have gotten a chance to start when everybody else started, it might have been a little bit more fun to lap them. But then it also wouldn't have been fair to you because then you'd have to run twice as hard and twice as fast as everybody else. No, I, I liked it that way. I liked it, you know, ha having me held back. I, I liked it better when they when they held me back and I had to catch everybody because it kind of <laughs> it kind of shows you dominating somebody else. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Weird that. When, 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 you're on, when you're on the track to be an Olympic athlete, I think being able to get that edge and that advantage isn't a bad thing. And you mentioned your, your family. Obviously, your parents were, were sprinters, I think, at Seton Hall. Uh, you and your mm -hmm. brother, obviously, track and field athletes. You mentioned your sister as well. Like, what were those internal family competitions like? Uh, so everybody in my family is competitive besides my sister. Uh, my dad is obviously competitive my brother is the most competitive out of all of us and that's followed by me probably one of besides track and field the most other big competitive thing we are is foosball we are very good foosball players me and my brother and my dad and then even my uncle we would play foosball for hours and we would just you know have it going like i'm talking we would be having the ball hit so hard that it would fly off the board because <laughs> we we're just putting so much power into the flick <laughs> all right so maybe this is a stupid question then but like how does one become a good foosball player like are you supposed to like focus predominantly on one side is it about having balance on, on both of the levers like how how does one become really good at foosball first of all you just just like anything else you play a lot and then you start to learn like the mechanics of the game. So the way that we play it, set up, you know, you have your furthest goalie that's right in front of the goal, set him up in one position. Then you have your hand always on the second set of goalies. Those are like the second to last goalies. Those are the ones that you're using to, you know, get yourself out of bad positions. Like if the ball goes skirting across the, darting down the um, board, you're able to stop it before it gets to the last guy. And then you usually use your right hand to control the other movements. So your hand never really leaves those last two goalies. It's always on them. And that then you maneuver between the other goalies between them. And then, of course, when you start the ball, you know, we have a certain way that you put in the ball. So it always comes to your side. And it would really suck because there was a point when my brother was so good that if he got one point on you, that means he had control of the ball. So you would never get <laughs> the ball to come back on your side so he was like if he got one point on you the game was over wow all right so you really had to jump out in front if you had any chance of beating your brother like there was there was no opportunity for a comeback is what you're saying exactly like comebacks on my brother between the ages of like uh i want to say 14 to 18 we're just not having like my brother was undisputed the champion Wow. And then when we grew up and we finally bought our own home and we bought our own football table, that's when I actually was starting to able to get the, like the edge back on him. I mean, he's still really good and he's definitely better than me, but I can definitely, you know, give him run, runs for his money. All right. So that's, that's fair enough. You get him a couple times on the track. He gets you back on the foosball table. I think it all 
you know, relatively evens out in the end. Yeah, you also mentioned, you mentioned that, um, you know, just being fast and knowing that you were fast when you were younger. Yeah, I remember like back when, when in Usain Bolt won uh, all those original track events that like he was getting calls from like the New York Giants asking him, hey, would you, would you consider maybe giving us a try? Like, was that ever something that you were considering? I, I know that you found this lane and it's been incredibly successful for you, but were there any other sports when you were growing up that you were thinking, you know, with, with my speed and my athletic ability, like there's something that I could really pursue outside of track if I wanted to as well? Well, to be honest, track and field was the last sport that I like put interest in. So before that, I had done basketball, gymnastics, swimming. Uh, we did some soccer. Uh, I don't know what my mom was doing over there. I mean, we played T-ball when we were four. <laughs> but, you know, other than, like we had done a lot of sports. The only things we really didn't do was football and boxing. Um, my mom was very against concussions and, you know, physical trauma to the head for long-term, you know, life. <laughs> and, um, other than that, yeah, we had done a lot. And then finally we just – came upon a track and I was kind of juggling basketball on track and I was just like I could do both and then I like found out I was really good at track and I was just like you know what I'm tired of having to have a whole good team for the basketball team to do well when I can just go over to track and field and win by myself that sounds way simpler <laughs> what what position did you play on the basketball court and did you emulate your game after any player in particular no, I had stopped playing basketball around 12 years old. Okay. So by that time, I wasn't really focused on like professional or anything like that. I was really just doing whatever the coach said. So I was like playing a lot of left wing guard and stuff like that. You know, sometimes they'd let me be point guard, but you know, I, of course I was really quick, but I wasn't the tallest. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about like, I, I'm a Chicagoan. So watching like the speed and elusiveness and the quickness of Derrick Rose, he was certainly one of my favorites to watch. And just all of a sudden you make that one quick turn, you're, you're up and you're driving to the lane. And that was, yeah, I, I just think speed is so important to that position and vision, which is something that you need to have uh, as a sprinter and as an athlete as well. Um, I, I'd love to know a little bit more about your training regimen and everything leading up to last year and then the pandemic hits and the Olympics get moved. Like how, how did all of these things sort of change your preparation, if at all? Um, in terms of training, COVID didn't really change anything, you know, besides a short six weeks where we weren't allowed on our own track. We had mostly been on our track because it is handled by a hospital and it's privately owned to them and they um, rent it to us. So nobody can really get on the track without our permission. So we're able to stay in a bubble in a, the sense of the word where we can train and not have to worry about cross-contamination. You know, we're going to practice, we train on the track, then we go to the gym, which is also handled by the, the hospital. And, you know, we have our own slot. So we're in there, nobody can lift on the platforms while we're there. And then we go home and we repeat. You know, it's just a constant repetition of the same thing. And so you get to the weekend and, you know, you're so tired from training over the whole week that you don't really have energy to go out during the weekend. Makes sense. And I know too, and I was actually learning about this, this from your team that, 
you know, for, for a lot of your races, you're able to wear a lot of your, your watches as well. And, um, you know, that's, that's part of the reason that you're here, you're here on behalf of Omega, you got the, the Speedmaster Apollo 11, it's the 50th anniversary band and, and you'll be able to, to race, um, with the dark side of the moon watch as well. Like how, how has that helped in your training and your, in your regimen as well? Uh, to be honest, it's, it's more of a, <laughs> it's more of a flex than anything. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, uh, you know, it, of course, they're always a, a good uh, sponsor to have. You know, Omega is the official timekeeper for the Olympics. So it's always good to be able to have, you know, just having a little bit of data here, um, being able to use their blocks at our own track because a lot of people might not know this, but blocks are kind of expensive. <laughs> so being able to have my own personal pair makes it a lot easier for training. And then, of course, you know, having some cool watches definitely <laughs> helps on the track. Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with a little bit of a flex here and there. I remember I, I was talking with with Colin Morikawa on the PGA Tour, who's also uh, an Omega sponsored athlete, and we we're just talking about the ability, like for for us as as guys in our twenties and thirties, uh, the ability for for us to accessorize a little bit. Like we need all the help we can get sometimes. Like I'm not that much of a of a fashionable guy, but I know that those who are, they're able to use their watch and, and that's really sort of a statement of, of how they're they're dressing up for the night. And even though we can't really go anywhere right now, at due time, that's gonna come and it's just another way to, to look a little bit more fashionable, look a little bit more sharp. I agree, I agree. A watch is definitely, it becomes a statement piece, you know, it's people are like, you know, how do you blow up your game or how do you, you know, add to that fashion? Of course you have a good outfit, but you know, you need a little bit of jewelry and a watch is always, a go-to thing that you want to have. If you trying to get into the jewelry game, a watch is the first thing you probably go for. No doubt. Um, you know, I wanted to talk to you about something that uh, sort of near and dear to to our heart over on the, the SI Gambling and Fantasy team. You know, I, I think what's going to be really fun about this year's Olympics and compared to years past is that, you know, with PAPSA being overturned and now more states starting to legalize sports betting, gambling, more fantasy sports and daily fantasy sports. Like it's been so good, Noah, to see more young audiences connect to different sports that they may not have otherwise connected with because they have a new entryway. They have a little bit more juice on the action. They can say, all right, uh, Noah Lyles is the favorite for the 100 meter. You know, if I want to go ahead and, and, and take him to win the race, you got a little bit more of an investment stake. And I think the sports that have embraced that have said, okay, this is good. Legalized sports betting is good for what we're doing and growing our audience. They're seeing the results of that. Um, are those conversations that, that either you or the Olympic Committee or really anybody have had with regards to the ability to help grow your sport with a younger audience? Unfortunately, no. That's not something that happens on the higher level. Um, I personally believe it, it would help a lot, even seeing, you know, how a lot of you have a lot of fantasy teams on almost every high in sport. That helps a lot. And I've actually seen there's an app that came out and it's called Roster for Track and Field, where, you know, of course, it tells you all the track meets that are coming out and it tells you who's in the field and everything else. But it also has this cool feature where it's basically building a fantasy team. And what I found so interesting about it is that you get double points for specific things. So if an athlete breaks a world record, you get double points. If they PR, you get double points. If they break a meet record, you get double points. So it's like all these little things where you could have, of course you could have the best person at each you know, event, but if they don't PR, then you're not getting as many points as them as somebody like who the third place guy who 
ended up giving you, let's say, nine points, but then it doubles because he broke or he um, PR that day. And I was just like, this is not as simple as I thought. So where <laughs> I thought I was going to be like blowing people out of the water, I'm like, wow, I'm in like 105th place. <laughs> And I'm just like, if, if we actually went out and did this, this would actually be something that would be so interesting to people. And of course, you have like a team captain, which also gives you double points no matter what place they get. So, of course, there are those people who you just know are solidified that are going to win. You know, you go into the shot put, Ryan Krauser just broke the world record in the shot put indoor. I'm going to put him as my team captain because he's automatically going to get 10 points and he's going to double that because he might break it again because he was he's breaking his own record. That's such a cool concept. I love the fact that your sport has gotten behind it. And that's only gonna, I think, grow it. Like you said, the more people can get invested in something else that, that keeps them, you know, informed and entertained with everything that they're seeing in real time. I think that's really special. So I'll, that's something that, you know, I'll, we'll definitely check out here. You said it's roster. That's the name of the app. Yes. Yes. Awesome. All right. We'll definitely check that out for sure. Hey, last thing I got for you, Noah, and I, I really do appreciate your time. You know, as somebody who's in this this prime of his career and, and working his way and continuing to grow in the, in the sport, you know, I I just watched Tom Brady uh, celebrate his seventh Super Bowl. He's 43 years old. He's out on a boat out in Tampa. He's had, he's had a couple drinks and, and now he sort of comes back and that video came out and he's sort of like that Brady dad after a couple beers. Yes. And he just, <laughs> I saw that. It was it was an amazing video. And I also thought about it. I was like, man, he's 43. He's doing everything he can, like almost every day to keep his body intact, to keep his mind right. Like, so it makes sense that if he has a cheat day, you know, he's probably gonna get his sea legs out from under him a little bit. So let's let's say we're post-Olympics, you're walking away, you you sweep in your field, like you're you're feeling on top of the world. Like what what's that celebration like for you? And then also, you know, as someone who's who's training all the time, like what what's that cheat meal for you? Like what would be the one thing that you've been wanting to have that you just can't have knowing that the Olympics are coming up? So I'll answer the second question because it's the easier one. And now the first few things that I will grab, one, a milkshake. I love a five guys milkshake, a salted caramel. Oh my God, it's just so good. I love them. And then of course, Raisin Bran Crunch. I That is like my dessert <laughs> for a healthy person. Like I'm always eating it like almost every night with some almond milk, Raisin Bran Crunch. I love it. Like, gosh. And it's so hard when you're in another country to get American cereal. So always, you know, getting your hold of any type of American you know, stuff, food, drinks, anything like that. It's like, oh man, this is so good. Uh, in terms of celebration, yeah, as an Olympic athlete, it's way harder to celebrate, especially in track and field, because the very, as soon as you're done with your race, you are whisked away to either get ready for the medal ceremony or go do drug testing. And drug testing takes anywhere between an hour to three hours so you got to imagine this is your last race was at 8 p.m now you're in drug testing probably till 11 p.m then you finally get to the hotel you try to eat because you're probably so hopped up on adrenaline you uh probably have to get a massage because you still have to run again 
you know, most people who are at the Olympics are probably running multiple events, or at least at my level are running multiple events. So they have to get ready for the next race. And people want to do interviews with you. So you already did interviews at the track, but then they want to do more interviews the next day. So you're probably getting to bed at two, maybe 4 a.m., depending on how long, you know, your recovery took. And then you got to go wake up at seven to do interviews and then get ready for another race probably around 5 p.m. the next day. And then when you do a week of that, that's when you get to go home only to do more track meets because the track season isn't over. So the track season doesn't end till September. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Then you may have about two months to do what you really want to do. And what that might be is sleep because you're so exhausted from traveling around Europe and you finally get home that you still aren't on the same... (laughs) sleep cycle you still have to get adjusted and then if you have the money you may have a very closed party i am a fan of partying but i have closed parties you know and that's just to make sure that you know you have the right people and you're having fun you know when you know you're tom brady you have enough money to go spend two million dollar boats <laughs> rides and go around you know you can party however you want now I'm gonna go rent out a place. I'm gonna take my friends and we're just gonna go party there with a DJ. Maybe I'll throw a pool party, something like that. And then it's back to practice. <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. All of that answered made a ton of sense, except for the fact that like, you can take a day off of the of the Raisin Bran Crunch, man. Like you can have one day where you can eat Frosted Flakes and Cocoa Pebbles, and, like whatever nasty no, those aren't sugary that cereal. It's the, it's the Raisin Bran Crunch that is the cream of the crop. <laughs> It's been too long, but but now you're you're making me think about giving it a try. Hey Noah, this was a lot of fun, man. Congratulations on, on all your success. Really looking forward to watching you compete this summer, uh, as well as all the other uh, opportunities that you'll have to compete leading up to the Olympics. This was a lot of fun, man. Continued success, good health, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again soon. Thank you, thank you. I definitely love to do this again. It was a lot of fun. <laughs>